Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 19, uh, uh, 19 please. And uh, how many are excited for the word this morning? Come on, how many are you excited about Jesus? You just heard a testimony of healing, and I'm, I'm telling you, this series is a brand new series starting today. And I'm calling it Instruments of Change. Say, Instruments of Change. Because uh, I noticed several times where uh, when I'm talking to somebody about what kept me anchored in the Lord um, or what has kept me from backsliding. I don't say this because I'm perfect, but I will say this because I'm leading up into my intro. I've been saved for over 25 years, and I have not once backslidden or gone back to the world. Amen to that. Now, I'm not saying that to boast about me. I'm saying that because I believe that it's normal for you to get saved and never go back to the world. That was three amens. Okay. It's not normal for you to try Jesus out for a couple years and then go back to the world because he didn't fit your need. No. It's normal so that when you give your life to the Lord, it's all the way, all the time until you die, till death do us part. You don't look at your, uh, your wife or your husband and say, listen, uh, I say yes to you, but in two years from now, if I'm not feeling you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, gonna go, I'm not going to say yes all the way. No. Your mind is the, all the way. And the reason I say this is because I found myself telling people, these are the things that I've done the six or seven or eight things that I've done throughout my life, I call it disciplines, all right, that, that, uh, or instruments that have kept me on the course. And even though I've had severe trials, even though I had health problems, I've stayed the course, even though at times I wanted to run and at times I wanted to quit. Come on, just because you want to quit doesn't mean that that's a reality. But even though I wanted to run, there's certain anchors that were so deep that did not allow me to go back to the world. And I'm going to tell you right now very boldly that if you take a hold of these instruments, it will change your life. So I call it uh, uh, instruments of change. And in your bulletin, there's an intro there. And in the bulletin, it talks about uh, this. It says, knowing our identity brings freedom. Now watch this. Freedom then brings change. Say freedom brings change. If you've ever been free in any area, you know that you're changed, right? But that change, in order for you to sustain that freedom, please hear me now, in order for you to sustain that freedom, there are certain disciplines and practices that you have to adopt every single day of your life. Hello? In order for you to sustain freedom, freedom does not come magically or stay magically. So but what happens is we've raised a generation in churches that feel that uh, as long as you go to an anointed conference, as long as you go to an anointed man of God or anointed service, that all your problems will go away. And the fact is that we've been duped because you cannot sustain freedom. Even though freedom is freedom is, is, is life-changing, there are certain things that you and I have to practice, say practice, as, and get a hold of to have a vibrant life with God and make sure that we never backslide or never give place to the enemy. Can I hear an amen? And these are the instruments that have changed my life. And if you listen, these practices and these instruments of change will change your life and it will stabilize you in your walk with God. What good is it if you're, if you're free only to be bound again in six months because of offense, because of bitterness? Now, uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't apologize for my passion. I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm Latino. So that's just a, a, double, a double whammy for Jesus, I mean, for, for the, the devil. All right? So Psalm 19, watch this, verse 7 says this. Now, I want you to look at me. The first instrument, say the first instrument. Ooh, this is so basic, but it's going light, to light you up on fire. The first instrument of change is the reality of the scriptures and the word of God being a daily part of your life. Wow, that got two amens. Do you know that it's possible to serve God and never have a vibrant word life in your life? 
Do you know it's possible to serve the local church and never crack open the word as a daily part of your life? Do you know that it's possible to operate in your gifts and never have scripture knowledge or discipline of reading scriptures? This is what's going to stabilize you above anything else because we cannot know what God is like or we cannot know what, how to live life with an instructional manual without an instructional manual. And the instructional manual is the Bible. How many Christians live life and they genuinely love God, but dust is being collected on their Bibles because they never open it. They just realize that they, if they could get a word uh, uh, in Sunday morning, you know, and then, then they'll be good. I remember years ago, uh, so, someone said this to me, and they said, you know, I can't wait to, to Sunday morning. And this pastor uh, said, you know, uh, I, I can't wait because that word is going to set me free. And he said, don't expect me to give you in two hours what you haven't given yourself all week. Don't expect to be satisfied if you, if you eat a little breakfast one day a week and then get mad because your body is decompo- de- deconstructing itself, okay? Now look at what Psalm 19 says, glory to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light you up on fire for the Lord's sake, amen. The law of the Lord, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Now, by the way, let me pause and say, every time you hear the word law in the Old Testament or statutes or the word judgments, those are actually talking about scripture, okay? So when you, in the Old Testament, when, when you hear the word your statutes, your judgments, your, your, your law, that's all talking about what we know today as the Bible, right, or scripture, just so you know, all right? So the law of the Lord, or the scripture, is perfect, converting, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is true, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. Oh, I'm going to sh- leap off my skin. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightened the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. Watch this. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. More are they to be desired than gold. Yes, more than fine gold. Oh, sweeter also than honey on the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, by what? By your word, by your scriptures, your servant is warned. And in keeping the scriptures, there is great reward. Listen to me. He said something. The psalmist said something so powerful. He said, listen. He goes, the, the, how many love gold? How many love getting rich? How many love the bling? Whatever. Okay. He says, that, that, that is so rare to find gold. He said, the scriptures are more to be desired than that gold that, that is so rare to find. And then he said this. Once you do find it, it's sweeter than the honey on the honeycomb. Now, that, that, may, not, that may be like a good chorus to you. or there may, That may be a good song to you that you heard from a gospel song. I remember years, years ago, John P. Key wrote a song called uh, Sweeter Than Honey in the Honeycomb. It's an old-fashioned gospel song. But it's more than that. Here's why. Because in ancient Hebrew times, I want you to hear me. Ancient Hebrew times, there would be a rabbi that would be uh, seated and to, to get ready to teach the children. And on the first day of school, according to ancient Hebrew times, the parents would come up and they would give, they would bring all the children to the first day of class for the rabbi and they would sit the child in the rabbi's lap. And the rabbi had a scroll. Back in those days, the scripture was in the scroll, not like in the book that we have now. It was actually scrolls. And you know what the rabbi would do? Oh, my God. He would put honey on the tip of the scroll where the letters are at. And you know what crazy thing that the, 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 the rabbi would do? He would, he would command the child to lick the honey from the scroll. I know that sounds kind of stupid. Like, you're messing up the Bible. <laughs> He would command the child to lick the scroll or lick the, the uh, scripture dipped in honey. You know why he did that? Because he was 
doing a, a spiritual principle that he wanted to associate sweetness and goodness with the word of God to those children so that when they grow up and they have trials, come on, and they have fire in their life and they have messing up in their life, they will remember the sweetness of the word when they were a child. And they will remember the goodness of how the word tasted so they could desire it again when they're older. That's the reason why the rabbi did it. And that's the reason why the, psalm, the psalmist said, your word is sweeter than honey because it associated honey with sweetness. And you know what the Bible says in Ezekiel? You don't have to turn there, but just so you know, the Bible says in Ezekiel that in a, Ezekiel had a vision. And in the vision, the Lord gave him a scroll, Bible figuratively speaking, to eat. And you know what the words, oh, this is so good. The words on that scroll were not, uh, you're going to get a good car, you're going to get a good boat, you're going to get a house. The words of that scroll was lamentations, mourning, and woe. That's like, <laughs> like you want me to eat that? Watch this. You want me to eat lamentations? He says, yes, this is the word that I'm going to give for a rebellious house of Israel, and it's my word, and you must deliver it. The Bible says he ate it, and once he ate it, it was sweet and tastes like honey. Like honey. What's the point I'm trying to make? Sometimes the principles of the word of God are hard to swallow. Sometimes the principles of the word of God, if you're living a, a carnal life or you're living a life that's away from the Lord, you may, if you don't have a relationship with God, you may take certain scriptures like, man, that's pretty gangster right there. That's, that's hard right there. I don't know if I want to do that. But if you submit to the word of God, because Ezekiel ate lamentations, mourning, and woe. That's not a pretty thing. That's not filet mignon in, like in the, in the physical. That's like, I have to eat that. He says, yes, you can eat that. But it's my word. That's still my word. We don't get to pick and choose what part of the Bible we like and what part we don't. A lot of people say, well, I like the part where he turned water into wine. I like that part. <laughs> Believe it or not, I have people say that to me. But let me tell you, once you eat the scroll and you submit to the word of God that he wants to transform your heart, it will be sweet to your spirit. And it will be sweet to your soul. Why? Because the word of God is the word that changes you. Can I hear an amen? And one of the things that grieves my heart today, church, is this. The lack of personal knowledge and personal application of the word of God in Christendom. I'm going to say that again. What concerns me in Christianity in America, you don't find this in a lot of Christianity in overseas. Even though they're poor and they're third world country, they eat the scriptures up and they live by them. Today in America, if we say something is a sin, we get all offended. If we say something that is, it, it requires sacrifice, we get offended. And we have become Christians that are more about experience than the scriptures. We have become Christians that are more about a feeling in a conference than a daily knowledge of the Word of God. I'm trying to tell you this. We have become Christians that know, love God but don't know the Word. And the instrument of change that's going to absolutely change your life is if you and I have a habitual a pattern of getting the Scriptures in our spirit every day. You cannot have a victorious life if you only know about God or just are thankful for what He did for you five years ago and don't have an active Scripture life in your life right now. You will not be victorious. One of the things, how many know... Um, how many, listen, I know people in the, in the nation, figuratively and, and personally, that, I, that could outserve the best of us. But let me tell you, you could outserve the best of us and have a shallow word life and it will show in your character. 
You could be the most faithful person in school, in your job. You could be the most faithful person even volunteering at the local church. But if you don't have a word life, my friends, it will show in your character. And let me tell you what else it's going to show in your conversations with people. When's the last time you had to talk deep things about God? When is the last time this generation, when you went to eat, that you didn't talk about the movies all the time? There's nothing wrong with that. But if all your conversation is never including, you know, babe, you know, I, the, I was reading the scripture the day, and the Lord just really touched me on this. When's the last time married folks just went on lunch breaks or coffee breaks and said, man, the Bible really came alive to me today. It's all about movies and all about entertainment, and it's all about uh, sports, and it's all about, I'm all good with that. But my friends, you and I will not have the godly character to sustain us if all we do in life is just love on God because of the experience and don't crack open the scriptures. Hello? You know what George Barna said? How many know who George Barna is? George Barna, he, he spends millions of dollars, literally, on just statistics. How many have ever heard of George Barna? Well, you know what George Barna did? George Barna did a recent, uh, about, about seven to ten years ago, he did a statistical study called the state of the church. Now watch this. It's going to shock you guys, but I want you to see this is the state of what we're in. Hear me now. Don't get distracted. Follow me. George Barna wrote in the state of the church, and he said uh, he conducted a survey uh, of Christians around America, and he get, asked them questions, and this is what he found out. Ready? Are you ready? This is what George Barna found out. 48% to 50% of professed Christians cannot name the four Gospels. According to statistic, legitimate statistical study, professed Christians, well, I mean professed Christians, everyone says I'm a Christian. I mean, you, you get up there in the movie uh, when people get an award. I just want to thank my, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you're like, you just committed adultery two days ago, but you're, you're, you know, hey, he's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is he really your Lord? Are you really following the word? Right, watch. So 48%, according to statistical study, of professed Christians could not name the four Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then he said 60% or more of surveyed Christians could not, I got to get in trouble because some of you guys probably be like, I don't even know this one either. He said 60% or more of professed Christians cannot name five out of the ten commandments in the Old Testament. Now, 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 now let, let, I don't want to go too much in there, but I'd be honest with you, I bet some of us don't know those things. Now, I'm not saying that to, to down you. I'm saying that what have we become that we have allowed experience to overtake the scriptures? You cannot have a vibrant life in your walk with God. I'm going to solve some of your problems today. You know why you're frustrated? Because you're not in the word enough. I'm serious. And can I just be very honest with you? According to that study, he said countless of the majority of Christians that I interviewed, watch this. He said, do not know how to defend their faith if they're pushed to it. When they theologically push you, why do you believe what you believe? They're like, well, because Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross and he, he saved my sin. But what else? And why, why do you believe that? And you know what? Here's the problem. If you could get convinced into the faith, someone much smarter than you could convince you out of the faith. you got to know you got to know the scriptures because if you know the scriptures, no, no amount of knowledge that some atheist or agnostic could tell you can convince you. Why? Because you've been changed because the word of God has pierced your heart. Let me tell you, you know what he said? Now, I'm quoting, so please don't get mad at me. This is a quote that he concluded with. Out of this, he said, because of this, George Barner concluded with this statement. Are you ready? Quote, Americans revere the Bible, but the majority of them don't know what the Bible says. And because they don't know what it says, we have become a nation of biblical illiterates. 
can we know what's right or what's wrong, what to vote for, what not to vote for, what to say yes to, what to not say yes to, if we don't know the scriptures? You know what the Bible says? My people perish because I lack of knowledge. Not knowledge of mathematics or science. He didn't say, you know, my people perish because they don't have enough history in them. Or mathematics or engineering. No, he goes, my people are destroyed. Say destroyed. Because of lack of knowledge. And I have news for you. The word of God is not going to come to you by osmosis while you're laying your head on the pillow. And all of a sudden, all the scriptures are coming in your life. You have to, God forbid, crack that book open and read it for yourself. This is an instrument that will change your life. Trust me, I'm your pastor and I love you. If you crack open the word of God on a daily basis and you pursue to knowing him, even when you don't feel anything at times, there's times I don't feel like reading the word, but there's this one time where you get a word and then the little spark of flame starts coming into my heart. When I was going through something this week because of the building, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I told nobody talk to me. I want to get alone with God. And in my, in my aloneness with God, you know, you, you start talking to God real. Like, how, I, we just need to be real with God. Not like, oh, did you talk to me? Like, yes, I did. I talked to him. I was like, God, I am upset right now. You said, and I, I, I love God. He's like, that's fine. Let, let, him, let him have a little tantrum there. And once he's done, I'm going to reveal my word to him. And sure enough, I'm standing, you know, I'm standing there. And I was, so I'm like, open up the scripture. Because I'm always in the scriptures. And the Lord spoke to me something in Job. In Job. And suddenly my heart went, and I started crying. Why? Because the word of God will soften your heart. The word of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? When the scriptures are applied in our lives, it's the quickest way to a changed heart and a burning heart. It's going to be up on the screen. When the word of God is in your life, it is the quickest. Say the quickest. To a changed heart and to a burning heart for God. Everyone wants to be on fire, but they don't know the instrument for the fire. Is not, is not my word like a fire, like a hammer that breaks the rocks in pieces in Jeremiah? You have to understand, if you want a burning heart, it cannot come outside of ba daily Bible study and reading. If you want the fire of God in your heart, I hate to say this to some of you, it's not going to come while you just sit in church. It's going to come when you're intentional about opening the scroll and eating that book. You want an instrument to change? The instrument that changed my life the most is that the Bible became my best friend. In those days where my mom and dad and everybody else didn't believe the Lord and they were wondering what was happening to me, the, I would close myself up and I would read that Bible. And it was like darts of fire coming into my heart. And, I, and no one knew what I was going through. And for hours, tears would drop on that Bible. Teardrops would drop on that Bible. And that Bible was a savior because I started realizing what God is like. You can't know what God is like without the word. I've said this before and I say it again for those who are new. Jesus being the word had to use the word to defeat the enemy. How much more us weak Christians? Jesus didn't say, you know what? I am the son of God. I can do whatever I want. I'll put that bread and butter on, on, on like you said. No, no, no. He said, it is written. Say, it is written. Now, this reminds me of a story of an agnostic. You're going to love this. You're going to shout with this. An agnostic uh, professor, I read this years ago, he went to the Fiji Islands to visit a, a mission, uh, uh, some, some village there that, uh, that had previously not heard the gospel before. And they were, they were, uh, this, uh, this chief was very old-fashioned. He had not heard the gospel. So they would just do wicked things and never heard about Jesus. And so this agnostic atheist professor went there one time, and he noticed that missionaries had been in there and made a change in that village. 
And so what he did was he said, he pulled the chief over. He goes, chief, you're a good leader, but I have to say something to you. I'm really shocked that you would give in to the fallacies of, of this book. He said, it's a man-made book, the Bible. It's full of fairy tales and man-made stories. I'm so, I, I'm, all, all the Christians want to do is get rich off of you. He said that. And they just want to take advantage of you. I'm sorry that you had to fall for their, for their fairy tale book called the Bible. I'm sorry, but that's not relevant. No one believes the Bible anymore. With that, the chief rose up. That old chief rose up and looked at that agnostic in the eyes and says, come over here. He goes, yeah. He goes, do you see that big rock over there? And the agnostic says, yeah, I see that big rock. He goes, do you see that big furnace over there next to that rock? He said, yeah, I see that big furnace. He said, you know what we used to do before the gospel was, was uh, penetrated our village? He goes, what? He said, um, he said, we used to take human beings that were not part of our tribe and smash their head against that rock. And then we would take their bodies and we would burn them in that furnace. He said, and they would not come out alive. He goes, you better be thankful for the word of God because if it wasn't for that, we would have been having smashed you in the head and burning you in the fire. And you would have never left this island alive. So you better be thankful for the word of God that changes people's lives. And he looked at him and he goes, if it wasn't for those missionaries that brought the word of God in our lives, you would have been dead. Oh, come on, man. You know what? The Bible, the word of God brings fire. Say fire. Look at what Luke 24 says. We're going to put it up there. Stay with me. Luke 24. I know you're feeling heat and fire at the same time, so just, just. <laughs> Listen to this. Luke 24, verse 25, a backdrop of this story. So you know, Jesus already resurrected. Okay? He's resurrected and he's, he's following. Come here, Michael. Come here, uh, Donnie. Come here. Come here. So, so in, in Luke 24, before I read, so I, you just got to know the story, okay? So I want you guys to just kind of pretend like you're talking to each other. Come here, come here. But walk, walk and talk to each other. And just kind of like, they're just walking to each other, talking. And so what, what, <laughs> so what happens is in this story, the Bible says, before I read, that they were down because they thought Jesus was the Messiah. But now Jesus died, and, and he, they didn't understand, why did Jesus have to die? And they're distraught, like, man, we really thought he was the one. Right, go this way, this way. Right, we really thought he was the one. So, and, and so then Jesus, now stop. Now Jesus comes and talks to them, but they don't know it was Jesus. Because he, he, <laughs> he had a hoodie on. <laughs> he, did, he had a little hoodie on, right? Uh, that was the, he, he was the man before the fashion came out. All right? And he was talking. He's like, hey, what's, what's troubling you guys? And literally the Bible says in Luke 24 that they turned to Jesus like, man, we thought that, that Jesus was the one. And they're talking to Jesus, but he's disguised from them. He's like, we thought that this guy was really it. I mean, all the signs pointed that he was the Messiah, but we're so discouraged. Now watch this. Thank you, guys. Now watch. This is where we pick up the story. After he, they're like distraught and, he, and Jesus talking to them, look at what Jesus says to them. Oh, God, this is powerful. You're going to get out of your seat and you're going fly, to fly over the seat. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets that have spoken. Ought not Christ have to suffer these things to enter into his glory? And, the, and watch this, watch this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, the word Jesus expounded to them all the scriptures, say scriptures, that are concerning himself. I love it. The word was talking about the word to experience the word. The word of God being Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus became, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So here's the word talking about the word in, in, in their lives. Now watch this. So he's talking to them about himself. And they drew near and they, and they came up. Now, now look at the very last verses there. The very last verse. Jump, jump to the last verse there, uh, Zach. So he went as, the, as, as he was going to the village they were going. He claimed, look at verse 29. Look at verse 29. 
Put that next verse. But they constrained Jesus, saying, Abide with us, for, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he, not watch, and he went in to stay with them. They still didn't know who he was. He's talking with them. Everybody say, He's talking. It's important. It's important. Because the word of God is his voice. I'm going to say that again. His scriptures is his voice. A lot of times people are saying, God, don't speak to me. I go, yes, you did. Just open the Bible and he's speaking to you right there. That is the greatest way God will speak to you. And I, here's another thing. You, if you don't know the word, you'll be distorted in hearing the voice of God. Because God's word will never outdo his, word, his voice and it will never contradict his voice. A lot of times people say, well, I heard the Lord say this. Really? And then you look at the scripture and you're like, this guy is off. He didn't hear anything. Why? Because it's not in the word. If it's not in the word, it's not in his voice. Now watch, watch. Now look at what the, the verse says. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it. Watch this. And gave it to them. Look at the next verse. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and they, he vanished from their sight. Are you guys ready to shout here? Look at verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn Within us while he talked to us, are you ready? And when he opened the scriptures to us. Their hearts did not burn because of a good fellowship event in the church. Their hearts didn't burn because of good community. And I love community. That's part of our vision. But their hearts didn't burn because they had a good activity in the church. Come on, I'm going to preach to this side because they get more excited. Their, their hearts weren't burning because of Christian event. Their hearts were on fire because the scriptures were open. And the moment the scriptures were open, they said, did not our hearts burn when he was speaking to us and when he opened the scripture to us? Oh, God. Everyone talks about getting lit today. All your people, let's get lit. This party is lit. This party to say, you want to get lit, open the word. You want to get lit, open the word. You should quote that. Somebody on Facebook should quote that. That should be our new model. Want to get lit, open the word. <laughs> Boy, this, this, this is, I'm lit. Why? Oh, you on drugs? No, no, I'm greater at drugs. I'm greater than any high. I got the word of God inside of me, and I'm lit, and I'm on fire. Let me tell you something. Let the words of this book Pierce your soul and light your heart on fire. You will, listen, did not our hearts burn when we did Christian events? No. Did not our hearts burn when we did all this good stuff for the Lord? No. Did not our hearts burn when he spoke to us and released the scriptures to us? The fastest way to a burning heart is the scriptures. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? The reason why people fall in sin is because we have not had the word of God hidden in our life. Now, now listen, this may sound a little dramatic, but please, I'm here to set you free, not to paddock you. It, the reason why many Christians fall habitually into the same pattern of sin is because they do not have enough of the revelation of the word inside them to drive that sin out of them. You say, well, come on, you're being a little tough now, uh, Pastor George. Okay, I'm glad you said that. Because I have a little secret for you. You will never, ever overcome your fleshly tendencies to fall into sin without a vibrant scripture life. You will never. You say, Pastor George, that's insane. Okay, look at what Psalm uh, 119 says. By the way, I call that the scripture uh, word, uh, chapter. I mean, there's more word. That, that's the longest chapter of the book of Psalms. And it's constantly with uh, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. Look, look at what it says here. Look at this. Look, oh, 911. It's, it's 9 through 11. That's an emergency. You want an emergency call, 911? Psalm 19, 9-11, that's emergency for Christianity in America today. This is the 9-11. Are you ready for this? 
How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Keep going. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandment. Again, your scriptures. Now watch this. Look at this one. Your word I have hidden in my heart. I'm going to say this real slowly. That I might not sin against you. Uh, let me, let me, I know for all you smart people, you probably don't kind of out-theologicalize me, whatever. I'm going to read that slow so you can really mean, see what it says. Your word, say your word, I have hidden in my heart for one purpose, so that I might not sin against you. So guess what? Let's use that scripture in the opposite text, right? So if that's true, let's, let's pretend for just a moment the opposite of that. If I don't hide your word in my heart, I will sin against you. But if I hide your word in my heart, the propensity to sin will become less. Why? Because the fire and the strength of God's word will be able to drive out the enemy of your soul. Do you know that? We must live our lives and our ministry on the foundations of the word of God if we are going to be successful. Anything you do in your business, anything you do in your, in your ministry, if you don't have the foundations of the word of God in your business and in your ministry, it will not be successful. Can I say this to you? There are some churches that are successful in the eyes of man, but they have neglected the word of God and has become nice social gatherings. And has, and has become, I'm all good for social gatherings. But if we compromise or water down the word of God, we will never, ever, ever get victory in our life. I want to tell you a story of, of Josiah. Now, give me about 15 uh, or 20 minutes because I need to drive this. How many are getting something? Now, Josiah, we only see Josiah as a late eight-year-old boy, and he, did, uh, he got king when he was eight years old. But I want you to see something that I bet most of you never saw about Josiah. I read this a couple years ago, and the Lord reminded this to me, again, when it comes to the Scripture, that it is possible to operate in ministry and not realize that you've neglected the Word. And sadly, some people are okay with that. Do you realize what's happening here in this story? Zach, if you could put 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8. To give you a backdrop because of time, here is Josiah. Watch this. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. This is important. Josiah comes on the scene. He's 16 years old by the time he's on fire for God, okay? He's 16 years old, and all of a sudden, he gets in charge of the kingdom or the ministry. Now, now, now listen, because some of you don't know the story. And what had happened prior to the story that I'm going to read is that because of neglecting God, idols began to creep in into the house of the Lord. Uh, let me tell you what that means. So imagine RCC, the house of the Lord, that has been neglected and, 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 and it's been in ruins, so nobody really cared for it anymore. For hundreds of years, it was in ruins and there was rubble everywhere, okay? It was left desolate to the point where, where imagine Buddha statues are in here and... and um, uh, uh, Holly Krishna statues here, and all these deities, all these statues are in the house of the Lord, not in the house of some pagan god, in the house of the Lord. That was what was happening in this day. All these idols, and everything was okay. You know, ministry was still running. The kingdom was still going. Watch. Watch what happens now. So now Josiah goes, hey, I want you to go. Watch. He goes, Shaphan and, <laughs> Shaphan, that's a cool name, right? Can you imagine naming your son Shaphan? Shaphancito, come over here. Shaphan and, and, and some other people, he said, look, here's the money. Go over there and construct, uh, deconstruct all the rubble and watch this and tell me what you find. Are you ready for this? How many of you have seen the book of Eli? 
the, the, the movie. All right, this, when I read this, I was like, this sounds like the book of Eli. Look at this. In verse 8, it says this. Are you there? Are you there? Verse 20, chapter 22. I'm going to have the worship team come up soon. If the worship team could start coming up with me, uh, <clears throat> that would be great. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe. Look at this. So he went through the rubble, right? He goes, and all of a sudden, Hilkiah found a book. Think about this, guys. He's operating in ministry without the word of God, and everything is okay. He's looking through the rubble, and, and they said, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Listen, and Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan the scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servant has gathered money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who work and oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. What do, you th- what do you think that book is? It's the scriptures. He found it under the rubble. The scriptures were found in the house of God because it was neglected. And when they were cleaning up the house of God, they found, hey, we found a book. Look at this. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, he had found a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, read the scriptures. Now it happened when, watch this, this is going to happen to some of you. When the king heard the words of that book of the law, he tore his clothes then king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Akbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Aziah the servant of the king, saying, Go and inquire for me of the people of all Judea concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that has been aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. Do you realize what's happening here? They find the scripture in the house of the Lord and they dust it off like some of us have in a shelf. We just keep it in our house, a good family Bible. And they realized, Josiah realized, oh my gosh, we've been operating in ministry and in business and in church stuff without the knowledge of the fullness of God's word. And now the word was spoken to them and he tore his clothes like, we are not doing what the Bible says. You know why the book of Acts is so important? It's not because there's a bunch of superheroes that God used. It's there because he wants us to know that God used them and the scriptures make our heart become alive to say, I could do that too. And I could believe for that. Watch this, guys. What started happening in there is that idols were beginning to start collecting in the house of the Lord because of neglect. And here's the problem that I want to tell you. Today in 2017, we are no longer, there was, there was idols in the temple, but the Bible, the New Testament says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The, the, our bodies are the temple. And today I got news for you. We got idols in the temple because of the neglect of the word of God. You know what that idols are? Watch this. It's not the real big, super deep ones that you think of. Here's the idols that we have built in our temple because of neglect of the word of God. Ease. Money, success, watch this, entertainment. Here's another one, ministry. We, we have these idols in the temple that we take it easy and we put entertainment above the word. Listen to me, and you know what happens is, the, the, is that we become dull in our spirit because idols are taking control. What are idols? They're not big statues. Idols are anything that have started to become first and took in the place of God being number one in your life. So that means TV could be an idol. That means ministry could be an idol. To some of you, yourself could be an idol. You can look at yourself prideful and all puffed up. You just become an idol to yourself. Thank you for that. Two amens. 
Listen, listen. I need the worship team to come up here because I'm about to close. But watch this. There, just because there was neglect in the house of the Lord, hear me now, idols came. Hear me, hear me with a prophetic eye here. Listen to me. If you continue to neglect a daily study and studying and reading of the word of God, idols unknowingly will start coming into your heart to dominate, watch this, your time. It will dominate your time. That means you will put more emphasis on entertainment than you do the word of God. Can I ask you guys a loving question? A question don't answer, but just, just, just pretend like you're going to answer in your heart. When is the last time that you, on a daily basis, before you went to school and before you went to work, opened the Bible before anything else and read it and studied it? And even if it's for 10 minutes, even if it's for 5 minutes, but you put a priority on the Word of God before you did anything else. When's the last time you actually cracked open the Bible on a daily basis and allowed the Lord to speak, excuse me, to speak to you? Hello? This is the the game changer of Christianity is that the fire of God is coming, but it doesn't have to come through a conference. It comes through the scriptures, and it changes your mind. It changes your heart, and it encourages you when you're down. When you're down, listen, all you need is one word. Say one word. Say one word. Come on, say one word. There was Jesus coming on the scene, and they were, he, was, he was coming, and there was many people that were there. And then a centurion man, a man of authority, a man of authority came and said, Hey, there is. Uh, my, my, my son, my servant is sick with a demon. He says, But listen, I know that you're a man of authority, and I'm a man of authority. I say to, to Paco, go, and to Pico, do this. And they do it. Watch. He says, So all I know is that because I'm a man of authority and I recognize you're a man of authority, you don't even have to come to my house. Are you ready for this? Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. This man knew the power of the word of God. And he was a centurion. And Jesus looked at this man and said, I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. Do you know what? Do you know what happens when you begin for sake of time? I'm not going to show you. You know what happened when, when Josiah? When Josiah realized that he, there was idols of the Lord, once the scriptures were read, say once, the scriptures were read. I'm going to say that one more time. Say once, the scriptures were read. He did something about the idols, and the Bible says in the next chapter, put it up there, in the next chapter, the, the last verse, the last, the last verse there, uh, 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 and the king commanded Hilkai, the high priest, the priest of the second order, and the doorkeeper, this is a chapter later after he, he read the word, to bring out of the temple, watch this, watch this, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the idols and the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and all the host of heaven, and he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kedron and carried their ashes to Bethel. You know what he said? He goes, now that I have the word inside of me, it's going to drive out and kick out every idol in the temple of God. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit told me this morning, tell the people, I know this sounds funny, but the word of God is like your spiritual vacuum cleaner. It will kick out the idols of your heart. Ask yourself, what has become more important than Bible reading? What has become more important than the scripture in your life? Is it, can I just be honest with you? Is it just church attendance? Because if church attendance... If church attendance has taken the place from you daily reading your Bible and reading the scriptures, you will not walk in victory. You will not. 
And some of you say, well, I don't feel like reading the Bible. It's okay. You don't have to feel like reading the Bible, but just open it. Make it an instrument of discipline in your life. Even if you have to get some devotional books, do it for the Lord. Come on, say, do it for the Lord. The word of the Lord is a vacuum cleaner. Listen, you can't even have faith without the, 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 the knowledge of the word. And you can never, ever outrun the word of God. Watch this. If the word of God has ever been implanted in your life, when you are a little boy or a little girl, you will never be able to outrun the word. It will follow you wherever you go. It will follow you to the club. It will follow you to the bed scene. It will follow you to your compromise. It will follow you to the parties. It will follow you to your drinking. It will follow you to your addiction. The word of God will not let you go. If you've ever had an implanted word one time in your life, it will follow you wherever you go. It will not let you go. You need more faith. The disciples said, Lord, give me more faith. I'm almost tripping up here, sorry. The Lord said, Lord, give me more faith. And Jesus was standing right in front of them, and they did not know the secret to faith, which is the word. They're like, more faith, give me more faith. And the word is standing right in front of them. And the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. You cannot have faith by an experience. You have to have faith by the word. How many want more faith? The answer is in the word. A lot of, here's the disciples. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. And Jesus is saying, more word, more word, more word. More faith, more faith, more faith. More word, more word. Because when you have more word, you have my spirit and you have faith. Listen, the, 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 the Bible, the word of God will follow you wherever you go. It cannot, that you, listen, you can't even backslide in peace when you have the word of God in you. You, you can't even backslide with a peace of mind when you've had the word of God. Jonah tried to do it. The Bible says in Jonah 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. He goes, I'm not going to do it. I don't like these rebellious people. I'm going to leave the opposite direction. And here is Jonah. He's trying to escape the word. And this word is, is he's trying to backslide in peace. And the Lord's not letting him backslide in peace. He, the word is following him. So he gets in the boat. And all of a sudden, and all the, all the guys in the boat are like, ah. They're like, what's happening? He's going. Ah, and he's, he's, the Bible says he's sleeping. Like, oh my God, I can't escape the word. And they're saying, watch this. And they're saying to me, why? Why is this happening? Tell us why. Tell us why. And he goes, guys, 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 guys. It's because of me, man. What are you talking about? This is happening because of me. And then the Bible says in actual Jonah chapter 1, it actually says this. While he was running from God, he stood knew that he was a servant of God. You know what he said? He goes, I'm a Hebrew man and I fear God. This is why it's happening. In Jonah chapter 1. Just for, just for reference sake, in Jonah 1 verse 9 through 10, that's where it says it. Jonah 1 through 9 through 10, it says, I am a Hebrew man and I fear God. And this is why you guys are having this turbulence in this boat. Because the word of God is in me and I'm trying to outrun the word. And it can't outrun the word. Let me tell you who else tried to do it. Jeremiah tried to outrun the word. And he tried to outrun the gift of God from speaking the word. Because every time he would prophesy the word of God, he would be put in jail because of the scriptures that God gave him to do. It was so powerful that it would get people mad. How many know that when you speak the word to somebody and it changes their lives, the devil's not going to be happy about it and some people may not be happy about when you say the truth. I'm tired of people calling truth judgment. Judgment is judgment when it's a, from, from a, 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 a tone of hurt. But when people love you, truth sounds like judgment. But truth is not judgment. I have a right to keep people accountable according to the word. Well, if you say, well, is this wrong? Yes, the Bible says it's wrong. But there's still hope for you. Listen to this. Watch this. 
Jeremiah said, you know what? I'm no longer going to, 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 to prophesy your name. I'm no longer going to prophesy your name. I'm no longer going to do the word. He goes, but when I did, little by little, I started seeing injustice, and I turned the other way, and I turned this way, and, I, and he was talking to God. He goes, I tried to quench and silence your word, but your word was in me, and it was shut up like fire in my bones, and I could not withhold it. Look, and he says, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire, like a burning fire, like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back. Church, I'm about to, to end right now, but I'm telling you, it will never let you go until you surrender to the word. The word of God is like the Terminator. Remember the Terminator? Terminator, you, no matter what you do to that joker, you cut his arm, and he's still dragging the other arm saying, I'm still here. You cut the leg off and it's dragging the other leg. You cut his body off and his body is dragging and saying, I'm still here. You cut his head, his, 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 his head off, his eyeballs start coming to you until he gets you. And the word of God is that way. You try to silence it. You try to cut it off. You try to not know it. But every now and then it will pop itself in your life saying, I'm still here. No matter where you go, in the bar, and, 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 and you be high with your friends and your high friends start talking about God while he's high. You try to outrun God, and you see a sign in the highway that says God loves you. You're like, oh, I can't escape God. If you've ever had the word of God in your life, it's torturous for you to run away because you can never outrun God. You can never outlast him. You can never do If you've been hurt by a church and you're running away, let me tell you, the word will follow you like Terminator. He'll follow you until he fulfills his purposes because he's zealous after you. He loves you. And he will not relent in you who gets all of you. It's time for the body of Christ to get the fire of the hunger of the word of God again in their lives. Watch this. So that you could be victorious. How many of you want to be victorious? I want you to stand up with me. Come on. How many want a fresh hunger for the word of God in your life? Come on. It's a little weak this morning. I said, how many want a fresh desire for the hunger of the Lord and the word of God? Family, you will not be effective until you say, God, enough is enough. Give me hunger. Here, here's where we're going to start today. Some of you say, you know what? I'm not hungry. That's a good place to start. Just admit you're not hungry. But you say, God, I'm not hungry. But give me hunger for the word of God. That's the first instrument of change. The word of God will come into you like a fire, and it will light you up. How many want to get lit tonight? I'm on, I mean, if a pastor says that, I'll get in trouble. How many want to get lit tonight? The way you get lit is start having a daily practice of the Word of God, a daily practice of the Scriptures, a daily practice. Let me tell you, it'll be like darts of fire coming in your life, and you will have drive all the idols of laziness, all the idols of sin, all the idols that you've constructed. It will be drawn out. Let me tell you, I'm not asking you to be a theologian. I'm asking you to spend time, just 10 minutes, I challenge you, 10 minutes a day cracking open the Word. And if you don't have a Bible, get yourself a Bible right now. Let's pray. Come on, let's our hands. We're going to worship right now and then we're going to pray. Come on. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.